Metuneter Volume 3, The Key to Miracles. Chapter 1. Self-Knowledge. We can all agree that understanding ourselves plays a major role in our ability to succeed in life. The process of arriving at the understanding of ourselves involves answering such questions as who is God? Who is man? What kind of being is man? What are angels? What is the purpose of life on earth? Why was the world created? What is God's plan in creating the earth and man? What is spirituality? And so many more questions. All of these are summarized in man's knowledge of him or herself. Since in the comedic spiritual tradition, man is made in the likeness of God, we will begin with the knowledge of God's being. The knowledge of God's being. The totality of God's being is consulted, is consulted, constituted of an indivisible, eternal, and infinite expanse of two indivisible components. In other words, the two are different in their functions, yet they are inseparable parts of one whole. This duality sets up a dual composition for all units in the world we must begin at this point to take note of the need of a new nomenclature. Every scientific or philosophic discipline has a need for a very concise set of terms for itself. The failure of most writers on spiritual matters to take care of this requirement is the chief reason for the confusion that begins in their minds and in the minds of their readers. In this work and many of my other books, the word being will be used to denote the totality of God's and man's makeup when not used to denote existence. And or let me just read that over. In this work and many of my other books, the word quote, being, will be used to denote the totality of God's and man's makeup when not used to denote, quote, existence. Thus, God's being can be separated into two major categories, self or not self. The word self will be restricted to denote identity. The two fundamental components of God's being, God's being, self-identity, not self equals self-identity. I'm sorry. God's being, self equals identity, not self equals non-identity. What is meant by this can easily be explained through the reference to our own common experience. The functions in our being belong to two categories. The voluntary acts, self, which we are responsible for, and can therefore identify with, and the involuntary activities, not self, many of which we wouldn't even know were going on within us had not scientists told us about them. Biochemical reactions, secretion of hormones, etc. 
Putting food in my mouth is an act of myself. Its digestion, assimilation, and transformation is an act of another part of my being, but not for myself. I'm not responsible for it. In fact, I had not been educated about them. I would not know what they were, that they were taking place or that they even existed. The same is with God. Some things God wills to be, other things are carried out by a panel by a program that God has created to act automatically and involuntarily in regards to each occurrence. Some things God is responsible for, others occur in the self, not self part of its being, and God is therefore not responsible for. For example, we live in God's being, yet our good or bad deeds are our own doings and responsibility and not God's. This should put to rest the argument about whether God is responsible for evil in the world. Let's note that the aspect of our being that we identify with and take responsibility for involves our consciousness and will, while in the other part of our being there is an absence of consciousness and will. Activities proceed unconsciously or subconsciously, and for the most part, unknowingly. And while consciousness deals with the perception that the will is merely the potential or intention to act, the not-self as the executor of the will is the material and energetic part of being. We have thus the following schema. God's being. Self equals identity equals consciousness will. Not self equals non-identity equals energy, matter, nature, spirit. Creation then is an act by which God wills its energy matter to manifest the various forms and entities that compose of the world. And man creates the effects in his life in the same manner. Let's proceed in a strict logical fashion. There is no room for dogma or beliefs in this discourse. Since that part of being that acts and manifests is composed of energy matter, the self, which is the opposite part of being, must then be immaterial and void of energy. As a matter of fact, this very word, quote, void, has been used to describe this aspect of being. This is the meaning of the comedic word used to dis designate this part of being, quote, amen, which means hidden, atem or atum, which is a condition of total negotiation, as with the Kabbalistical ain, sof, nirvana, and sunyata in the Hindu tradition, and Wuji in Chinese Taoism. Void in energy and matter, the self cannot be divided, multiplied, created, or destroyed. God's self is therefore one. We cannot even say that the self is conscious and wills because that would make it an earthly, an entity of some sort that possesses the attributes of consciousness and will. This condition of negative existence 
was eloquently denoted by the comedic word atem or atun and the Kabbalistic ain sof. The self then is consciousness will. It is interesting to note that the proceeding explains why God has been given a masculine identity in most cultures. Ancient scholars designated the initiating part of the being masculine and the receptive and executing part of the being feminine because consciousness will is the initiator of activities and change while the spirit which carries out the intention is receptive to the will. It is analogous to the male providing the sperm while the female carries and gives birth to the child. In my works, however, I reject the restriction of the male gender to God due to the many errors it has led to in the treatment of women. I use it instead of he. I use, quote, it instead of, quote, he. The consciousness that is God's self is the same that is in man and women. The most important point to understand here is that the fact God's Consciousness and will is fully in touch with and in control of all its creations, differentiations within its energy matter. This is another way of saying that God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. We will later see how this ties into man's relationship with God. The most important point to understand is the reason for the creation. You will remember that God's consciousness is an infinite and eternal continuity. This is because it cannot be divided or multiplied or added to or subtracted from. It is void of matter, a tomb. Since it is, it is one indivisible, unending expense, there are not other consciousnesses with which to have experience. All that is left for it to do is to divide energy matter into various creatures into which it will project itself. And in the same way that different colored scenes can extract different qualities out of the same light, so does each creature modify the one consciousness will to manifest it in the world as separate and different entities. In this manner, God is able to have experience and enjoy itself by interacting with itself through the myriad of creatures making up the world. Last but not least is the reason for making man. Let's reiterate the comedic notion that God made the world to enter its creation to have experience. One of these creatures was made to serve as the means through which God could come into the world and be able to say, Quote, I, God, made this world. To be able to continue the work of perfecting and completing this mission, not from the outside, but in the world as a God-woman and as a God-man, thus man, as the vehicle for God's being in the world, had to be made with all the divine endowments that belong to God. The one difference is that, as a part of the creation, Man is not in touch with or is able to exert the influence of his will and spirit directly over the other creatures of the world in the way that God in whom all live can. 
This is why man must unite with God in order for me to legitimately influence you and the things of the world that are outside of my being. I must go through God. This is the basis of miracle. Keeping in mind the similarities and differences between God and man, let's take a look at the knowledge of man. The fundamental components of man's being. Everything that was said about God's self and of its not-self is true for man. Man is a micro-replica of God. God and man are the microcosms and macrocosms of spiritual literature. So let's proceed to a more expanded view of man's being. One, self equals identity equals consciousness and will one box reads not self equals non-identity equals energy slash matter equals spirit two divine spirit three mind higher and lower four life force five physical body that all makes up your being Man's spirit in the not self. There's four circles life force and body, lower mind, higher mind, divine spirit. As the diagram shows, man is composed of consciousness and will, which makes up his or her identity or self, and the not self or energy matter principle, which is composed of the divine spirit the mind, and the life force, and the physical body. A great deal has been said about these items over the past 4,000 years with little insight given as to their true nature and function. In order to establish a science of spirituality and to convey true insight into the subject, accurate terms and categories, descriptions, and definitions must be established for the various components of reality and man's being. And here ends the reading on page 27.